Hi everyone, welcome at Wayfact. Today with a super exciting guest, Alex Kasasovici, the CEO of Azure's, a web-free layer for streams. And this was really a super exciting episode because when I did my research, I honestly didn't truly understand what this was about. So I was a little bit more critical in the beginning, but then opened up as I finally started to understand the exciting and actually really interesting business model. So to keep it short, it's basically, let's say, a infrastructure that allows you to make ads more interactive, which of course drives user retention. And for me personally, that sounds awesome because I have always my ad blockers, you know, fully activated, you know, I'm all against ads. I hate them personally, but well, if you actually are able to interact with them, it makes fun and you're able to earn something with that. I think that doesn't sound too bad anymore. So without further ado, let's dive in. Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want. Yeah, thanks Alex for being here. It's really, really a pleasure talking with you. I'm really looking forward today because I have a... When I did my research, I have a couple of questions and I would love to dig deep into how your platform actually works. So let, let me just ensure that I actually understand it uh, the right way, because that, of course, would invalidate a couple of things on my end. So from my understanding, advertisers can basically pay for some kind of product placements for their digital products on your store. And the revenue you collect is, for example, being distributed along uh, streamers and viewers of that streamer, basically. Or how does it work? So you can indeed, as an advertiser, put products in our store, but that's not really the core of what Azure is. So if we take a step back, we started Azure back in 2018. And when we started, we were re start of that big change where Twitch was exploding, live streaming was becoming a thing. And my co-founder and I looking at the space evolving, we're like, you know, we keep calling this thing a TV, but it's not a TV. You're not watching content over the air. You're streaming content from the internet. Um, and, and our thesis was that if you if this is not a TV and it's essentially a computer connected to the internet streaming content through IP, then why is it still so passive? And, and this is really what got us into starting others. Uh, we believe that streaming is changing the nature of the medium. It's not broadcast monodirectional TV. It's about it's an interactive medium now because they're going through the internet and interactivity is very limited and scarce in how to see today. But actually the whole stack of broadcast allows to send interactive content to the screen interact with it. Just nobody has taken advantage of that yet. So that's how we started Azure. So what we build on Azure is actually playable ads. Mm. The advertisers, they come to us to create a new type of ad. Instead of doing like a 30-second short video, they create a 30-second game 
that we distribute through our partners. So today we work a lot with uh, Twitch creators, with different like uh, channels. We had 20 million uniques last year. So we have these distribution channels and the broadcast the uh, the uh, the brands they come to us we have them build those games you've seen the trivia games but we also had some like fl uh, flappy bird type of games very short 30 seconds playable but what's crazy is that they are playable on tv so they essentially show up in front of everyone else everyone who's watching and just using your remote control your finger your mouse whatever you have to interact with that screen then you get to play together with everybody else who's watching and earn rewards. So the thing also as part of our thesis was that if we're going to ask people to do things and to become active in front of the, the TV, well, you have to give them a reason to. Uh, and that reason is pretty obvious. Give them rewards that they can own. Uh, hence, the fact that from day one, we were built on blockchain, we're dealing with digital rewards and distributing uh, tokens as uh, as points, essentially as a point system, giving you access to a store of rewards. So the core game, the core game value to uh, to advertisers uh, is that instead of spending money for maybe views, you only spend when someone actually engages with your brand and plays. So you move from a CPM to a CPC mm -hmm. type of model on a screen that has for decades been notoriously passive and just selling audience, whatever audience means and whatever, however it converts for you as a brand has always been a challenge. So we sell, basically, we make that audience interactive, interact with your brand, click, earn something for you. So that creates actually some goodwill. Thank you. Logitech for sponsoring this advertisement and giving rewards. So it creates an ecosystem that's a lot more balanced, that values the viewers' uh, time and attention, and that makes essentially everybody play together and have fun. And the, um, the inspiration, it's kind of funny, but the inspiration behind Azure 3 came uh, from going to basketball games, uh, you know, like doing timeouts, on TV, you get uh, boring advertisements and you have, you're basically stuck. While on the floor, you have the sponsors of the game essentially doing t-shirt tosses. And you recommend like for 30 seconds, everybody's on their feet, hand in the air, trying to grab t-shirts. And there's like 20 t-shirts to give away, but everybody's trying to get one because it's fun. Uh, and then you create a connection with the brand. You recognize like, sponsored by Rakuten or by Pete's Coffee or whoever is uh, is sponsoring today the uh, the uh, the activation. But it's fun, it's engaging, you connect with your brand, you create good with and you get something sometimes in return that you can take home and own. So it's really that experience that encompasses uh, what we're trying to achieve at Azure is turning that TV into a digital seat like in a digital stadium, get everybody who's watching to connect together around, around the same content and play together for 30 seconds and get with a brand and have a good time and maybe earn something in the process. That's super interesting. So I honestly understood it the wrong way because I thought more of it like, uh, well, uh, you're a Twitch streamer and uh, you play that game, right? And 
your viewer, your audience, and yourself earn points and can redeem them or something like that. But that that was my basic understanding and looking through your website and this kind of uh, the information that I found. Right, but that now sounds much more like, well, you. It's actually about TVs. For for me, it looks more like uh, like a comparison, like a metaphor. Right, and, but that's so it's actually uh, when you watch a movie like not Netflix or even Netflix and uh, these platforms which introduce ads now, you basically are more kind of that rich ad tech provider that they can plug in and allows them as an infrastructure provider basically to... Right. Okay. That's... No, you need it. And the, the reason it's, uh, it's not so easy to grasp on a website is that nobody comes to a website unless you've already earned rewards and you come there to redeem them. So hence the emphasis on the store and hence the way you perceive what we're doing. But like we don't... Nobody comes to others first. You essentially watch whatever content you're already watching, whether it's a Twitch creator, whether it's a movie on one of our, our partner channels. And... And at some point, something shows up. The wallet loads, a game loads, everybody starts playing, and hey, you got some tokens and they're into a new wallet. And now you have to like, okay, what can I do with these tokens? That's where I come. you go to Azurus, you see the store, and you start understanding how those things fit together. But it's, it's kind of counterintuitive because like nobody ever starts Azurus on Azurus.io on the website. That's not where we start. Uh, and, and, that this, and the same thing that's also counterintuitive is like the measure of success. So, you know, like you would think like we do make games, so we're losing, looking at retention, at, but like retention is not the problem for us. Uh, for us, it's about how, what's the percentage of the audience on a channel that is exposed to the, uh, the playable ad that actually plays. Because uh, mm-hmm. you can't play whenever you want. You have to essentially be there when the game starts. Uh, and you don't know when it's going to start, but like, so the expectation that you're already watching, you're already there. And since there's 4 billion people watching streams, that happens pretty often, you know, like the size of the opportunity in the market is huge. Essentially, you're watching, you're doing what you already do, watching the Super Bowl, watching an NBA game, watching your favorite creator on Twitch, and all of a sudden that thing starts and gets you playing. And so what we measure is like engagement rate. Uh, and uh, and we have channels with a 100% engagement rate, if you believe it. It's, it's kind of crazy. We have like channels where everybody who's watching ends up playing the game for 30 seconds. And this is really That's showing, crazy. it's a testament that it's super simple. Uh, we streamline the process so much. It's enticing, enticing. People realize that other viewers are playing as well. It's really the same thing as in the basketball game. People are on their feet, hands in the air, and you're seeing your neighbors on their feet, hands in the air. You do it too because, you know, you may win. Uh, so let's do it. But that's super exciting. So you basically are watching out for uh, platform partners all the time, right? I guess you have Twitch already. Right. Uh, tell me, what, what other platforms are you uh, providing your ads already on? So, our biggest uh, source of audience today is Twitch by far. But we have been working, and do a long BD deal, so they take a certain amount of time to happen, with some of the really big uh, 
streaming TV fast channel platforms. So those are huge deals with like we're looking at hundreds of millions of, of, of viewers out there. Just takes a lot of time to happen, but those are super exciting down the pipeline. Uh, and when that happens, uh, I mean, we essentially onboard millions of people, hundreds of millions of people to, to, to Web3, which is kind of exciting. Definitely is. Um, especially, you know, everything that's about infrastructure or basically just one layer below, right? One layer below actually just building a, a platform yourself has, you know, incredibly uh, huge potential because you are actively changing how people can engage with ads in that case, right? And, yeah. you know, ads are usually something people are experiencing as extremely unpleasant right we have ad blockers and all these kind of things so making that somewhat let's say a win-win situation for both sides that that's something really exciting and one question just you now from a visionary perspective you mentioned tv a couple of times how far are we away from, let's say, a TV landscape where you can actually engage with your TV ads? Of course, you might need some kind of... Can you do it with your remote control? I, d I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, way, way closer than you think. The, uh, the technology is already in your TV. If you take any um, app that you use to watch content, whether it's YouTube TV, Pluto, Fubo... Zumo, you name it, uh, they all use the same standards. The video players already are compatible. We use industry standards to uh, inject the wallet over the video and load our games. All basically, the client side is already ready, and on the back end, on the uh, the uh, encoding side, the ad session servers are already ready also to support our infrastructure. So. It's already there. It's just about making this connection happen, educating the space, and uh, and essentially expanding our reach through the businesses that we've been working on for for some time now. So, it's it's kind of fascinating because you know the um, the broadcast industry actually has been trying to sell you pizza on TV for the past twenty five years. I actually met. Uh, someone here in San Francisco uh, who used to work at Comcast in the late 90s and he was the first to implement uh, the ability to sell pizza on TV uh, and they were using the modern line through the, uh, the, uh, on the cable box to pass the order. Of course, that was ne never success. You don't want to buy pizza on TV. Right? That's very unlikely. But it's kind of interesting how, to see how forever and we have actually stories like this Wheel of Fortune in the late 80s, Mattel had a device that would let you play at the same time as the live TV show and win prizes. You would call a landline and uh, input some, some of the codes and you would be able to, uh, to, to, to get some uh, reward money for playing along. So interactive TV is an idea that stems back 40 years now, uh, if you can believe it, 40 plus years. So it's not a new idea. And there's a lot of infrastructure that is already in place for that. 
The biggest thing that I found is that broadcasters have always looked at interactive TV as a way to sell things and make TV shoppable, which is not exactly the most obvious use case. You know, you're watching an ad, you're not going to buy this now. You're watching a show, you're not going to buy that uh, that, that snail that you have standing on your left side, maybe it's super cute. Am I going to buy it now? Maybe not, I'll look it later. Uh, so the act of buying requires such specific circumstances that it's unlikely it happens, even if you make it extremely simple. So, and when we're looking at it, we realize that, you know, this is cool and all, but really what we want is to get people to engage and to feel that you're not alone, passive behind your screen, but you're part of a giant crowd of millions of people watching the same content at the same time and getting excited. And we want to create that connection and we want to have a medium, a spark stemming from brands sponsoring and, engage and encouraging that connection to happen. And, and when we started and we tried that for the very first time with Ubisoft in 2018, that was an overnight success. We clicked immediately proving that, yes, if you set the stage right, put the right incentive, make it simple enough that you don't have to install anything, there's no second screen, no installation, just pops up on your screen, then you have immediate engagement of the audience. I love intermission. If I could ask you for one single favor, it would be that you hit subscribe onto this channel because it helps our channel more than you can imagine. And, you know, the bigger the channel gets, the bigger the guests get. So thank you very much for watching and let's continue with the episode. Love it. Yeah, basically, uh, as always, don't make me think, right? The easier <laughs> something is and the more the user gets out of something, and the more entertaining it is, the more, you know, as you said, monetary rewards, these kind of things all contribute to, as you said, more engagement rates. And I'm just curious, and, and I know it's impossible to, to give a proper, let's say, assumption here, but you said you have right now something like a 100% engagement rate. Um, do you think this is because it's actually from a user point of view, something new, and that's main, mainly the reason they're engaging with this, or is it more because it's actually, you know, because it's interactive? I, I know that's difficult to answer, but what are your insights yeah, so, into that? So we have about 45% average engagement rate, so 100% is clearly a bunch of outliers. Uh, and but what we found is that the engagement rate increases over time. So people, after missing the first wave, next time that they see, uh, they recognize the wallet loading uh, and the game starting, then they immediately start to play. So that increases over time. And we have found that folks tend to increase their engagement the, the play rate and that's a different like uh, we have a different metric which is the play rate so a given user uh that we know seeing a game showing up how often does he play does he play that play rate tends to increase over time now the reality of the medium um and that's also something that people need to to, to realize is that if you're watching in many cases and very often people are just listening in 
that's very true on Twitch. Uh, you may not be watching. So we may we do have some audio cues to try and draw your attention back to the screens. Yeah, the game is starting. Uh, but if you're not paying attention, not listening it, and listening it, you're going to miss it. Uh, and, and so this is clearly one of the things that we've learned to, um, to, to measure and to understand is that some channels are very, have very different behavior than others. You can, we have some channel where you, we know that the community is actually watching, engaging, paying attention. You can see it on the chat. You can see it in uh, many uh, aspects. And what others I clearly have huge numbers, but a lot of those are just people just listening in like radio. And so you, that population becomes harder to draw back to, 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 to the screen. But on the upside, it's a super big testament to what we're doing, because uh, if you're an advertiser, you don't want to be paying for another people on the team. Sure. You, so th this is really where we come in, where we like, we are doing our best to drive people back into uh, on the screen. We also have really good, cool case studies. Uh, you can find them on, on the website that show how we get people to stay longer. Because when you start, when you see that the game is running on a channel, you essentially wait for the next one. Uh, and that gets people to stay a lot longer on channels. Uh, and, and then and people create like, just get more active in general. Uh, once we grab their attention, they realize they, 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 that thing happening, they end up paying more attention. So this is super positive and it's not just creating value for the advertiser because we're creating a good, good connection, but also for the broadcaster, the channel, because then we have the audience staying longer, paying more attention, being more active and uh, and increasing essentially the uh, the audience of, of that channel. So this is literally having a ripple effect by giving you one more reason to pay more attention to this window specifically and maybe stop for a second uh, swiping on TikTok or doing something else and just like kind of like watch and pay attention because you may you are able to play with your with your with your peers and win stuff uh and it's happening now so yeah attention spans are are gone so love that <laughs> going down for sure <laughs> <laughs> Let us let, let's say I'm not sure it's going down, but multitasking is definitely something that everybody has to take into account now. Uh, when was the last time you watched a movie without taking your phone out and swiping at some point? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm super super guilty, so you know yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to not going to answer that. So, <laughs> um, well, one thing I I still don't you 100% understand this people earn points through interacting with those rich ads basically um, but those are custodial wallets for sure makes right. sense right but how do you track who owns uh, that wallet basically because ads themselves are not directly I guess bound to a user account because you can watch streams without um, registering for a Twitch account as well, for my knowledge, right? So how does that work? So, so that's kind of the uh, the beauty of having a custodial account um, is that we let the user create a wallet with just an email. Uh, so type in your email address, we send you a one-time password, tap that mm -hmm. password, your account is created. 
uh, and then we know who you are and we're able to uh, not have you do that. The other thing that we do that's pretty cool is that we only ask you to create your account after you've played. Uh, so you can start gotcha. playing immediately. Um, in the back end is essentially a temporary account uh, and that account can be, we, you can keep using it as long as we can track you. And then you take ownership of it by just typing into email address, scanning a QR code if you want to. So th there's a few things that make it super easy uh, to, uh, to to onboard uh, and making sure that it's all about first experiencing the product, playing along, winning stuff, and then uh, onboarding you and making sure that we are able to give you ownership of uh, of your account and your rewards. And then there's a whole process, like later, later, you can go KYC, you can access your private key, you can you can do all the things and you can basically take full ownership of the wallet and its content. Going KYC also gives you access to more rewards. So we have some uh, rewards that are uh, like gift cards, uh, Visa cards, Amazon cards, Spotify cards, whatever. Uh, those are rewards that we require KYC for, uh, for some legal reasons. And, and so we essentially have like 35,000 digital items and most of our users end up um, really taking the rewards from the store and staying into our ecosystem because it's super simple and convenient. Uh, but we're looking at creating more and more usage and utility around uh, the car and the ecosystem in general so that people can, uh, can do more with the rewards that they get. Okay, yeah, well, um... That basically, thank you for answering that because that now makes much more sense because I thought there's no setup involved because but you basically see the ad, you play it and then you continue. But typing in the email address or uh, if you use a third uh, party provider like WebFree or Magic and these kind of things absolutely makes sense and that's great. Um, I'm just wondering because why exactly is it based on web free you know we are web free software agencies so no offense uh, i love that stuff i love blockchain but i like to be a little bit critical why can't it be a centralized solution well you know first i think there's many cases when you can do things centrally and decentralized and or in a decentralized way kind of like one or the other. But the, there's a few things that are important for us. One thing is true ownership. We want our users to actually own what they, like the, 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 the rewards that they get for the time they spend. Um, so for us, true ownership has always been kind of a cornerstone. If we're going to give you a reward, we want you to own that reward and to be able to materialize it in your wallet. Um, I think True ownership, I mean, I've always been frustrated by those rewards platform like airline miles and so on that were very like non-transparent. Uh, you get points, you don't really know what they're worth. It's unclear how you can use them. Sometimes they don't like, it's It's always felt, felt that closed ecosystem were creating unnecessary friction and essentially harming trust uh, that the user put on these platforms. I feel like I have plenty of miles in plenty of places, but most of the time I can't use them and I get cash uh, for them because it's it's so much easier. So the other thing is that we, we 
we see Web3 games and Web3 in general as being obviously the next situation of the internet. So when we start working with an advertiser that Web3, that is Web3 native or trained Web3 thing, we want them to be able to distribute rewards that could be their own coins, their own NFTs, their own items, or their own things. And we want that to be totally interoperable and essentially composable between both the ecosystems. Uh, and so that's for us, like thinking ahead a couple of years, uh, whether it's Adidas, uh, Iconex, and Mocha Brands, Mochaverse, Apes, all those things, all this ecosystem of digital items uh, will be compatible and are already actually compatible with what we do at Azure's. Just bridge the items, set them as a rewards pool for a game, and anyone who's playing that game can earn some of the items that you've uh, you've put in the pool, and that's just baked into the contract, and it's fully transparent and permission and, and distributed. The other thing that we've uh, that we've, that we've baked into a thesis is that as the streaming ecosystem evolves, if we want to be able to reach Phobian viewers, we cannot create a world garden. And everything that we're building and the long-term vision that Azure has always been that we are going to be opening up components and making it accessible for Game developers want to build on stream for channels who want to add interactivity to the channels. And essentially, all the entire ecosystem will open up over time. So it becomes an open source, permissionless, distributed network for playable content over streams and not just a closed source ecosystem and world garden ecosystem. So all those things, and we started really, when we started in 2018, we had that vision, like we always prioritized proving out that there's a market for it, uh, getting users on board uh, and kind of like first getting to market and proving our hypothesis before building uh, the, the entire longer term for distributed permissionless vision, because this is more expensive. Of course. Uh, a lot of projects have done the other side, yeah, the opposite. Uh, and I don't think there's a good or wrong here, but like we always come, I'm also a product person and the team is more like product and, and, and UI, UX and user oriented. So we like to first understand how, what's needed and how people react, what is exactly the type of experiences that we're building before making more generic and opening it up and letting people uh, start being creative based on the first experiments that we have, we are running. Yeah, well, uh, it's just a personal preference. So I really like uh, that use case first approach, right? Test it on a market. Blockchain is a tool, right? In the, in the end, uh, if you use it, to what extent you use it, uh, it always depends on who your target group is, what you're trying to build or solve, right? Um, you guys if, have, if you may, yeah. if I may, I think it's more than a tool. It's also a state of mind. You can either be the apple of this world and try to build everything, get all the, uh, get the maximum extractable value from your customers and for, and basically own the space and build walls. Or you can see yourself as being, as being an enabler of the space. Uh, and I don't believe you can do it alone. I think we need everyone who can help whether because you have audience or you have 
creativity you want to build or you have like new business models and new ideas we need all this so that uh, next time you watch a super bowl you experience it interactive uh, well a uh, huge fan of that asset uh, i am blockchain too um just to understand the vision a little better you have a store right now of course that's centralized uh, to a large extent yes and uh, the tokens itself are probably not redeemable for some other currency at, at this moment, of course, because it would be a security, obviously, right? No, so that's not exactly how it works. And the, 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 the token is actually on chain. Uh, it's an ERC20. Mm -hmm. but, but it's not a security because we never sold it. Exactly, because it's a utility token, right? But you yeah. can't directly exchange it for money itself. That's what I meant. So it, there's no, no tradable aspect to it. And, but just from the top of my head, this plus a decentralized store, which would mean anyone could sell anything on there, uh, that would mean that you're becoming somewhat or actually decentralized, right? Is that your, the vision or the goal, the direction you want to go for? Or? Yeah. And, and the, uh, I think it goes further than that. So. As, as a company, we really focus on the ad business. Uh, so the rest of the teams come, a team comes from Amazon, Amazon ads. We, we have like really good expertise when it comes to uh, gaming and ads. But I believe that the, um, the infrastructure we're building can go way further and beyond just ads. You could see... I don't know. I, I can imagine, and I'm just throwing names. I'm, there's a full disclaimer, not necessarily any of those that we have contacts or contracts with. But like, I, I would like one day to see, like, oh, DraftKings build a uh, a betting uh, app right there on the screen on a platform. They could. They can make their own token. They can build their own app. And if they have a deal with whoever is broadcasting the Super Bowl on whatever channel, then you can bet on whether... Uh, the, uh, the there will be a thousand in the next, next two minutes. That could happen. And basically, the, the the infrastructure lets you build any interactive experience and layer it on top of a stream. That's the technology that we build. And as the the the, the, the ecosystem matures and as we grow, we really want anyone to be able to create new type of experiences and kind of define what the future of that screen that we call a TV is going to be. Uh, it's, and it's going to be interactive. Now, is it going to be an app store? Is it going to be controlled by the channels who decide what's going to run? I don't know. Uh, but what's for sure is that we can contribute by providing a standard to build interactive component. We can have people building uh, experiences that would work across all the channels that are connected to our infrastructure. Uh, and we can create an ecosystem that's so much bigger if we make it distributed, permissionless, and remove all the uh, all the walls. Oh, Ernesto, what do you have here? As you know, Ernesto is our chief meme officer at our company, Rayfact. And yeah, we just launched a web-free card game for kids, two to five players plus 10 years old, and it's all about Web3, the risks, the opportunities, the challenges. And basically, you play this card game and have to collect Ernesto. Like, 
how he's eating french fries, popcorn, sitting in a rocket, these kind of things. So it's really just a super playful way of engaging with the space and actually understanding how it works. So I would really appreciate if you check it out. Of course, uh, we earn some money with that, but every cent, every dollar goes directly towards the free free workshops we do for children. We just had one in Bangkok uh, in November. So I hope you like it. And if you have some feedback, please leave it below. Love that. Um, just let, let's go more into the business side for a second, like all personal point of view. What was the biggest challenge you have faced over those years when building your company? Like, has there been some kind of moment where you thought, oh man, I'm not sure if, if this is going to work out. Like, what was that moment for you? So, you know, th there's been a few of those moments because we started in 2018, so it's been, a, it's been a while. But I think the most interesting is that when we ran our first test uh, with Ubisoft back in 2018, it was a super overnight success. And then every time we trench something thinking that we were making the product better, we actually were making it worse. So, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because... Kind of by chance, or I don't know, but a lot of the things that we did the first time we got right, it took us a while to understand why was it right. And it's really like every time that we broke, that helped us understand a little bit better this, uh, oh, what's so, so different with an audience watching TV, how they react, what works, what doesn't. Uh, and, and we did so many experiments that we learned by essentially breaking things that were working, which was kind of like very counterintuitive. Like I've been, I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. It goes the other way around, like you increment and you get better. But like we started with something that was actually really working well with a community that was loving it. And, and every time we're ch changing something, we're just making it worse. And we're like, I, I don't get it. And then you start understanding better this audience and that dynamic. And having done mobile gaming, uh, traditional web audiences watching stream is so different than anything you know you think you can treat them as mobile gamers as it's not the same they just don't have the same they won't react the same at, or any mental model that you have turned out to be wrong the ecosystem also so different creators uh on stream so different than your usual kos or like they, it's it's really something on, on its own. And it took us a while to really understand why what we did first was so actually on point to this audience. So that was like, we had a lot of this moment where we're like, I don't get it, this is just worse. Let's roll back. And, and, and that happened over and over again. One of the best examples at some point we are, we added uh, some meta quests, like, you know, like um, some live ops and so a second layer uh, to the game that will let people compound over, over multiple games and making the game sessions longer uh, and, and, and during a stream. And we realized that viewers would just come in a stream, watch 5, 10, 20 minutes and then leave. And so you had that constant, you have that constant rotation. Sometimes you grab some of them and let them stay longer, and that's a win. But on average, they rotate. They go from one stream to another. They're literally like just zapping on TV. And 
and, and, and this just changes the way you have to approach uh, that audience and you have like to measure success and to see what success success getting that guy a little longer success but if you get from 10 to 20 minutes that's 2x in just 20 minutes uh, you're not going to have like an mmo uh during 20 minutes it has to stay small and casual so all those things lots of learning i feel like we became expert we know expert on understanding uh audiences how they consume streams, what the expectation, when are they paying attention, what will grab or not grab their attention. But that's, uh, that took a lot of, uh, of trial and error and mostly errors, because that's probably where you, when you learn the most about uh, your assumption, how wrong they are, and you rebuild your own mental model to, uh, to figure out what, what is that audience that you're actually targeting and engaging with on this medium. Mm-hmm. Well, um... I think it's the same with social media, right? Or with almost every so, uh, with every platform out there. The user on TikTok is not the same as on YouTube, yeah. LinkedIn, Instagram. And yeah, I think that's a perfect example for even a more niche market that even there are super strong differences between platforms and so on and so forth. I wouldn't say niche. Again, 4 billion people are watching streams. That's a lot. But the of thing, course, I think yeah. to your point, like the same you take the same person uh put it on put him or her on instagram on twitter on tiktok on twitch on paramount plus on pluto they're going to consume and the con the content in a very different way and uh and and we clearly the way that you interact with the medium is very dependent on the medium itself uh, and we and that that's kind of like one of the big learnings. You think you know the consumer, but really you don't. It's really like consumer on that medium that's its own uh, its own thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, just thinking about all of that. Are there? I, I would even say that that's a great ending question here. Except you have something to add. Are there three things that you say that's something from my entrepreneurial journey now? that I think would really help you and that you want people to remember? From my entrepreneurial journey, wow, that's a, that's a big question. I know. Uh, I, I think, so there's a few things that I think we learned, I learned over time and I wish I had known uh, or that I had done better probably uh, in the early days. Um, the first thing I learned is that oh, you have to always start from the market. It's not about the products, it's about the market. Uh, if you don't know how to access an audience, then you should not start building a product. Uh, and it's okay to build like kind of a prototype or something really short to just test the waters. Um, but like the, the most important thing in any company, any startup, is what is the market you think you want to address, and how do you how can you prove that you know to address it at scale? Uh, probably one of the hardest things uh, to, yeah. to, to do. And it's harder today than it was yesterday, uh, just because of the, uh, the amount of uh, stimuli that we get uh, from all over the place, from email to us, whatever. Getting people's attention is getting harder and harder. Uh, the second thing I learned, um, and I think it's super helpful, is the, uh, the first product you build should not be your product 
And, and let me explain. So in many cases, people start building their vision. And, and that vision is really super expensive to build because like you have that grand vision, you have you see the future and you want to build the future. The problem is not building the future, it's like how do you get to the future? And the first step is always about creating signal. Uh, how do you prove that this audience that you think you can reach actually has any interest for that idea that you have? And proving interest doesn't necessarily mean building the product. Uh, it means proving interest. Uh, and, and those are really two different things that people often confuse. And that thing, uh, it's, it's, it's much harder than you would think because you have to kind of, kind of like really forget about that future and that product that you want to build. But like, what's the, the hypothesis that you're working on and how do you prove, how do you bring essentially water to, to, to your windmill and how do you prove that there is actually something and there's interest on this, on getting to the future to this, for that audience that you're targeting. So those are always a twisting, and again, I'm a product guy. So I always assume that you can build things, the technology is going to follow, the, uh, that, that you can build. It's not about building, it's about making sure that you build something that's meaningful and that's going to, uh, to, to be able to, to impact uh, folks. Um, and the last but not least is that you always want to try and build at the intersection of multiple changes. Uh, and let, let me explain. Like, so, for instance, with Azurus, we're looking at the evolution of streaming, gaming, and digital ownership. And we basically at that at the central space of those three evolution in our environment, in our in our in our, in our realm. And I feel like it's always at the intersection of evolving spaces that you have the biggest opportunity. If you can mm -hmm. look at those signals, uh, see where things are going, and try to kind of formulate, hey, so. Where does that get us? That's where you find the most interesting ideas and opportunities, and you're able actually to get people excited uh, from these spaces. So that's like, I, I guess that's true. And uh, I'll stop there because I could, I could go, go on and on on that topic. But well, yeah, so yeah. If you want to. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I drop one, one last one. Uh, the, sure. And that's that's one thing that uh, that we uh, that we keep telling people, and uh, I, I wish people would kind of like start remembering, realizing is that streams they're not TV. Everybody watches streams on TV, but the stream is not TV. TV is essentially over the air content one way, but the stream is interactive and and uh, and, uh, and uh, bi-directional. So that's that's something people need to realize next time that you are you you you're going for for a social gathering and talk with people. Have it. This is not a TV. It's a streaming box. It's a different thing, and it's going to evolve into its own. It's going to reveal really its power as uh, the apps, as the ecosystem, realize that it's that play pause button that we're now seeing. It can be. It's the start of a game. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, lo love that uh, metaphor, by the way. Metaphor. Um, yeah. Hey. Thanks, thanks, Alex, for, for your time. It really was really awesome talking with you. And yeah, I hope you found as much pleasure as I did. So, yeah. It was great. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I appreciate it. I hope you liked the episode. Ernesto is happy too. So I guess we did a fine job here today. And yeah, if you have some feedback for us, 
please leave it in the comments. Let us know what you liked, what you maybe didn't like. We always strive to improve our podcast. And yeah, thank you very much for watching and stay tuned. Wave Act, the web-free software company that understands what you want.